I'm fantastic. I'm in my Macclesfield tracksuit, so I don't need to take it out and put a Fleetwood one on, so it's easy for me, mate. That's cool. Well, actually, let's start there. I don't know what you study at uni. You said that you were, you were coming back from uni. And what are you studying and where? I'm doing football studies at the moment. I've finished, I've finished actually all the coursework. It's uh, like coaching and you know, all different things within football, really, and uh, sport. I, I study, he's part of the course at an international academy at Macclesfield. I just help out there coaching. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a nice experience. What badges have you got? I've not got any badges yet. But I'm, I'm, I am going to look into getting some badges sorted in the next maybe year or 18 months. Uh, if I, I'm just going to see how the start of next year goes and if I'm still enjoying it, that's when I'll start to go for my badges, mate. Absolutely, and best of luck with that because I, I never got Thank into you, football coaching. But to help someone through their dream of becoming paid to do something they'd happily do for fun is the joy of football coaching. Um, and then... Oh, 100%. One thing I'm good at, I, at the moment I can speak to people. I can speak to players. I might not be at the moment the best of coaches, but I can. I'm quite good at knowing what players need if they need kind of an arm around the shoulder or kind of a bollocking. You know, when after they played half time or you know, other coaches. I'm a bit like Cluffy, really. How good he was speaking to people, and he, he, he just knew what to say. It well, yeah. It's you can't. It's not one size fits all. Coaching is about uh, reacting to different problems. In different ways. Have yeah. you read a lot of literature about Brian Clough? Well, I was two when he passed away. But I've heard loads of stories. I've, heard, um, I've seen his documentary. I've seen so many things people write about him. And I'm just in awe of him. Like what he's done in the past. You know, two back-to-back European trophies. You know, the way that you know the way that he kind of set up his team. And you know, like I think there's a story. I don't know if you've seen it. So Mark Crossley, the goalkeeper for Forest, he started selling some slippers. So he, his family got involved. So he's selling to the players, five five, you know. So Cluffy goes, I've heard that you've been selling dodgy fucking gear in my premises. And then, so he gets on the story, he goes, I could find you. I could sack you. I've had a think about it. If, you, if you've got a pair of ten to me and a pair of sevens for Barbara, I think I'll let you off, son. Oh. It's just stuff like that. You think that. You know, what a character. He's gone and just had a little bit of a joke to get some free slippers. I do hope that the Cluffy style of coaching, which we'll never see in the Premier League, because you would never entrust a press no. conference if you are a billionaire no. to someone like Clough. No. But um, we'll talk about Fleetwood, which is what we're here to tick off uh, with Nappers, which is what you vlog under. I think I first heard of you, Ben, because I saw your name on the Football Blogging Awards and I thought, yes. who's this? Had a look. It turns out you were a three-year-old boy. Uh, and you're now, as you say, like a 20-year-old boy. I didn't realise you started doing this in September 2015. What was the spark that made you think, I think I'll do a video today? Originally, it was people at school. You know, it was, I think at the time, a few mates, one called Joel, started doing videos. And I, I loved his videos and you were doing well. So I just started uploading like water and salt challenges, uh, lo- loads of like fun challenges like that. You know, it's kind of a 12, 13 year old would be interested in. I do top tens and uh, video like crossbar challenges. And then I thought Fleetwood Town released like a video. It's still on the Fleetwood Town channel right now, actually. And it was a day in our life in Fleetwood Town. 
and we played Gatafe at home. This is this video is unlisted now, by the way, and uh, it wasn't a good video at all. But um, I just did a video the day and I was in Fleetwood Town, go get my food, going to Fleetwood, showing a bit of the game, seeing what was going to happen, and I just gradually started from there, really. And uh, yeah, like I've always loved football, I've always loved sport, it's been my passion from a, a young age. And one thing with me, I like watching things back as well. So it was two birds in one stone, really, mate. Uh, it's so good. When you got nominated, well, it's obviously brilliant. Uh, who did you lose out to? Uh, an Aston Villa vlogger. I, uh, I've been there twice now in back to back years, which is, you know, um, I'm very, very proud of that. Um, you know, I'm very happy with that. And now the aim is to get their third term and hopefully go one better. I knew probably the vloggers that beat me were well deserved and they were very good. There was an Aston Villa vlogger in there. Um, there's another Aston Villa vlogger, Becky Ward. I think there might have been, and yeah, there's an Ipswich vlogger as well. So for me, I've taken Little Fleetwood, as you can say, to compete with vloggers from Aston Villa with huge fan bases. Ipswich Town, another big club who've won European Cups, FA Cups, you know, and uh, I'm just really, really happy that I got there. Fleetwood is the focus, but there's lots of football stuff in general. There was also a reaction to the GCSE results. When I was young, it would be taping stuff off the radio for, for your own benefit. and that You're familiar with taping stuff off the radio. You've seen it in books. But nowadays, yeah. when you're making something for YouTube, in your head, you're a content creator, but you're doing it for an audience. So at what point did it... Was it instant that it became doing it for an audience? And is it thus hard to forget that ultimately you've got to enjoy it first of all? No, at first it was just like me speaking to a camera. I never thought that people were going to watch. Like, I never thought people were watching. I never thought, I never thought, but I just liked doing it. And then kind of when the football vlogging came about in 2015, it was still like that where I was performing to a camera and it would go out. It's only in the last kind of, I'd say two and a half seasons where my vlogging kind of I lost interest in for a bit and uh, I, I had, when Joey first came to the club I went well I've got to go for it now or it's now or never and that's probably since 2018 it's been for an audience and I'm still myself which um, like in recent probably when I was at the start I wasn't being myself I was being loud I'd swear I'd shout I'd try and make people laugh by doing that now I've kind of more relaxed. I think that's what people like. We want to see your real self, and it's very hard not to be yourself. When, especially when you're doing live streams, which we've gone on to this season, and um, you can't not be yourself for two and a half hours twice a week. For you can't just turn it on and off. You can't be a character because you are. It's like I don't know if you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, but Larry David is playing a character called Larry David, which is um, it, he blows things up in the way that a normal person wouldn't do because he knows that's where the funny is. I didn't realise that Mark Goldbridge is not actually Mark Goldbridge. Uh, you've no. met him. What do you think of him? Top bloke. Really good bloke. I approached him and, uh, you know, and he spoke to me. He gave me an interview. He was very honest. I thought he spoke very well. He knew his football. Um, he's one that, you know, you can see he is, he is a bit of a character online, but those types of things he would be in real life, you know. Like, he gets off with making people laugh and, he just he made a few jokes and I spoke to me even off camera and you can just say yeah he he, he is you know the Mark Goldberg that I see online. Obviously you've got to kind of be a bit more animated when you're in front of the camera because you want to kind of impress and you want to keep the audience engaged. But he was a brilliant guy with me. He gave me lots of advice and he spoke very well. He was very honest about his club Manchester United and I thought 
you know, something he's a top bloke. And uh, at that time, I think Mark Goldberg, he was more kind of being bantered for who he was. And, uh, but for me, I think he's a superb guy and a very good YouTuber. Yeah, but he's the, just the number of hits he gets, uh, one can only aspire to, I think it's hundreds of thousands. Uh, did you see the clip? Was it last week or earlier in this week? The day's blur. But Ray Parler got Robbie Lyle on to talk sport. And this was a kind of the dog eating the dog eating the dog. Because Parler's having a go at Robbie. Robbie's on talk sport. Talk sport are getting the hits. Arsenal Fan TV are going to react to that. So do you agree with Ray Parler that Arsenal Fan TV no. appreciates when Arsenal do badly? They're almost wanting Arsenal to do badly because they'll get more money. I can agree with him a bit, but then on the other hand, by the way, this is Ray Paul's been on Arsenal Fan TV two or three times, by the way. But TalkSport, what do they get off? What, what's their main viewing? Oh, hang on a minute. When fans are clawing up, shouting and screaming about Liverpool, about Man United, about Tottenham, about Arsenal, for example, you know, and that they'll put those videos onto Twitter and they'll get 20, 30, 40, 50,000 of views, likes and retweets. That's how TalkSport get most of their listeners from the callers because people want to see other clubs suffering. Arsenal fan TV, I'll be honest with you, other fans maybe take it a bit too far, but they want the best for the football club. You can see that. And it's kind of like uh, you've got to accept it. If you lose, you lose. You are going to get more views when you, when you win. But I don't think that they want to lose. I'll be honest with you. And I thought that was poor from Ray Parler. I know I think he, uh, Martin Keogh said he didn't agree with it, which shows a lot. But, um, but he's kind of like, so he's like when Sky Sports is going on about it's green with the Super League. Well, I'm not being, it was Sky Sports who originally took the Champions League away from them. Now BT have got it. And it's kind of like, I don't really, really appreciate what TalkSport did there, mate. And like I say, you, you might not agree, but you, you could agree. But I think it's just kind of um, a bit hypocritical of well, TalkSport there. In fact, uh, before you were born, and I'm sorry to do this to you, but in the 1990s, I used to watch once a week, because it was on Wednesday nights was European night, I would, we would watch Man United or um, Newcastle or Arsenal on ITV. And then, yes, you're right, Sky did have the Champions League and then BT had it. And now BT are trying, I don't know if you've read this, to sell off their football coverage, which is very interesting because that was the whole thing to get broadband customers, get sport with your broadband. Are you envisaging a future where everything's like Prem Flicks or Premier League Productions or there will be an Arsenal TV and you can only watch Arsenal games in association maybe with Amazon Sport? Yeah, it's interesting because at the start of the year they did the pay-per-view and Premier League fans were kicking off about that and well, I'm a lower league fan, I pay £10 to watch Sleep with it every away game this year. I believe that you should have, if Sky BT are not covering it this season, it should have been on beat like Burnley FC or you know Spurs TV, for example, and you pay a tenner. So that way the club, the money is going back into the football club, not into Sky, not into BT, not into the Premier League. Maybe eight pound or the ten pound going to Spurs, two pound goes into you know the, the, the network of it. You know, I, I can see the Champions League if BT did get rid of it. I think they'd lose a lot, you know, because and that's the only reason I'm with BT for the Champions League. Um, I can see Amazon getting it because the way Amazon. I've been doing the Premier League this year. It's been sublime. And they get good commentators as well, you know. And he's like always very cheery, you know what I mean? And it's like, that's what you want, really. It will be interesting to see because we're in the midway through a TV deal which was negotiated a few years ago. So Sky have to get 
the Premier League rights for this season. But the product is less. I mean, you're getting fewer fans than you get at Fleetwood because you can't get any fans at all these big grounds. And I, I, I've barely watched a game this season. Uh, and because I don't want to pay £10 every time my team plays this weird... I, I'm a Watford fan. So this season has been very strange. And again, we've said goodbye to the Football League, which we're more... We're more a football league club than a Premier League club. I think Nottingham Forest are more of a Premier League club. Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Bristol City, who have rich owners. The term that has been used for fans of my vintage are legacy fans. As someone who isn't a legacy fan, do you have some solidarity with fans who were at football in the dark days of the 80s and when Fleetwood were in the conference and so on? Yeah, absolutely. Fans always have to come first, don't they? I think, you know, I love going to watch from Fleetwood. There's nothing better than I go home and away. Um, the days out, the coach journeys, it's the same people. And, you know, that's what it was like back in the 80s and 90s. It was a day out. It was a treat at a weekend. Everyone looked forward to it. It was a three o'clock kickoff. And uh, people go and watch the local side, you know. And that's how football should be done. And unfortunately, with these TV channels, um, as much as I do like watching football on TV during the week, I think it's kind of ruined a bit of the beautiful game. Is it? I'm going all Chris Sutton. Is it beautiful? Uh, what is the most beautiful part of the game for you? Going to watch football. Going to watch my local side in League One. Fans coming together, singing your hearts out behind the goal. Going to an away game. Getting up at 5am for a coach. Going to at the pub. Going to, you know... You know, after the pre-match pie and the after-match pie, and getting your half-time pie, you know, seeing family, getting on the bus home, getting home at 10 o'clock, and then enjoying your weekend, win, lose, or draw. And speaking about it to your mates on a Monday, should that have gone in? Should that have been a penalty? The referee had a stinker. Um, you can see that on Saturday. So I do believe that that is the beautiful game. And instead of, um, it's so sad now to see you walk around the town in the foul coast and seeing City, Liverpool, United shirts and, you know, 10 years ago, you are, uh, as much as I don't like Blackpool, uh, obviously being a Fleetwood fan, it is good when you see the odd Fleetwood, AFC Fylde, Blackpool, even even Burnley were a local club in the Premier League, Blackburn or, you know, you know someone like that. That's what you want to see. You want to, now, I, I, if I ever had children, I, I, I'd make them, I'd let them choose who they wanted to support because that's what I did when I was younger. But, I, I, I teach them that football isn't a TV show, it is a game and you can go and watch it live and it's not just on TV. Well, there are two types of football and ever since the Premier League was formed, they broke away. They didn't want to be tied to the first division. And so nowadays, uh, Watford are going to get promoted and some goals that we would have scored this year are going to be chalked off next year. I'm not delighted about that, but the Pozzos are going to take £150 million and plug that back into the club, maybe build the new stadium. But it's interesting that you, all that stuff about the beautiful game, I don't think you mentioned tackles, through balls, uh, tap-ins. It's, the, it's everything else around the game. And so I'll ask you now, what's more important, the 90 minutes of football or the 1,000 minutes when you're either looking forward to the football or post-morteming the football? And I always say... In a way, day is a great day ruined by nine minutes of football. I'd say the <laughs> thousand minutes, it's going to be honest with you, mate. Uh, because it's, it's you know, uh, that's what I miss. Going with my mates on the coach. You know, just going to go and watch Fleetwood Town play. You know, go on the coach early. You know, speak to friends. And 
and then get there and have a, have a few hours there then speak about the game after speak about all the results as well um, did the manager get it right how well did we play how badly was this play today and then you look forward to your next Tuesday night or your Saturday game because after a game of football it's never just um, alright that's it now you know, it's always oh, on to Tuesday on to Saturday unless it's the end of the season of course or in even that case it's on to next season let's rebuild and go again so it's no, it's definitely the thousand minutes because the ninety minutes of football is good because that's what you're, you're talking about. But the thousand minutes is the whole week, really. Yeah, that's you. That is the right answer. I spoke to James Bentley, whom you may be familiar with. Did you watch that Calvin documentary, Hours, which was on BT Sport? Oh, I have to watch. I've not seen that one yet. Oh, um, Mike Calvin looks at whose game it is, who has football, and he said, "Yeah, without the fans, it's nothing." And James is a Berry fan. And Berry don't exist anymore. There's a yeah. new club. So he, he said, I completely switched off for football because I realised it was Berry or nothing. And now he's finding other things to do. And it's, it's gruesomely sad. And this Super League, which is so far away from, let's say, a wet Tuesday night in Crewe. Uh, the general gist of uh, the Fleetwood fan base, would you have said, just let them go? Let Man U, City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs go? Um, yeah, um, it's an absolute disgrace what they did. And, you know, I, I did a video, I did a 10 minute video on it the day after. I was furious with it, if I was honest with you. I think it's an absolute disgrace by the powers of football. How Cronkey, you know, Levy, you know, the Glazers, you know, the, these these billionaires want to get richer. And I always I agree with the same the rich get richer and the poor get poor. And, and it is like that. You, know, you look at results in the past few weeks, you know, Man City lost to Leeds, United have had a few beatings, they lost to Palace early on this season, they lost heavily to Spurs, you know, they've not been great United, even though they've been, you know, doing better in the Premier League than they are usually. Spurs are Spurs who I follow as well are a joke. Arsenal are ninth in the Premier League, so I think they can get in. Liverpool, yeah, they've done well in a few years and Man City have only just come in, but um I think it's an absolute disgrace how they think they should leave the league when Club's history. You look at recent years, Leicester have been better than Arsenal, West Ham have been better than Arsenal this season, and even say Wolves and Everton are better than Arsenal right now. And, you know, I just think it's an absolute disgrace. And if they did want to go, you know, something, let them go, but they'll be coming back begging when the players can't play for international, no one will back it, they'll have no money. And it'd be interesting to see if they did go, how much money they would have lost and uh, how, how much they would have been begging to come back. The worst thing to happen, and we're talking on the 29th of April, the worst thing to happen would be a Chelsea-Man City Champions League final. Because then everyone would say, well, this could have been the last one. This could have been the last Champions League. And the Champions League is only 30 years old. Uh, And it came out of Silvio Berlusconi realising that it's better for him if there are more big games. So this is the natural end point of things. And I wrote eight years ago, I said that instead of scrapping the transfer window, you should just let the top clubs do what they like in as much as uh, get the Premier League to turn it into an Uber League. And then you have foreign-owned clubs and British-owned clubs. And I think Fleetwood Town would be in the the league of British-owned clubs. Uh, this is the great Andy Pilly. Have you had the pleasure of meeting Andy or talking to him? Many times I spoke to him on a regular basis. I was at Pilfoot, Fleetwood Town's training complex about two weeks ago, having a, a few drinks and having a meal. And he came up to ask if I was okay and how I was coping through lockdown. And 
You don't get that at the top clubs. You simply don't. And he's a, a top bloke. He's- we don't really hear bad things about Andy Pilly. Of, of the lower league owners, Dale Vince is probably the most acclaimed, although what they're doing yeah. at Lincoln is astonishing. With two games of the season left, Fleetwood aren't going to go up, they're not going to go down. Uh, at the start of the season, did you think 15th, 16th was going to be the logical placing? No, no. I, I would have liked higher. When we had, when our squad came in, you know, Chet Evans, Paddy Madden, Paul Coots, you know, Callum Connolly, Glenn Whelan, you know, Barry McKay, Josh Morris, Wes Burns, Alex Cairns, all good players. And uh, I did think we weren't as strong as last year. And I would have liked top 10. You know, we, we let go of Joey Barton three points out of the playoffs. Then we kind of hit a wall then. And uh, I think I think it's just been one of those cases where it's been a season too many for Fleetwood to carry on. And, you, you know, you, you get them sometimes. Look at Liverpool. And look at City last year where you're not quite as good. So, be interesting to see how Fleetwood do. I think it com- needs a complete rebrand. Keep about eight or nine players. Build around those sign thirteen or fourteen players, and then uh, it'd be interesting to let Grayson get his own players, get his own structure in place, and hopefully improve the forward line because we've lost a lot of key players this season. Well, yes, yeah, Simon Grayson, who is a brilliant championship manager, he gets teams promoted and into the second tier. Do you think part of the deal of signing Grayson was that come June, July, he has a list of players? who would be signed and do you think Andy Pilly is going to free up the wage bill and let Grayson have his players? Yeah, he will. He will. When you look at the players that are leaving for me in the summer, Glenn Whelan and Josh Morris, you know, there are a couple that are on big earnings. You've got the loan players that we'll be paying a bit towards as well. So there's a lot of wage, you know, that we can bring players in with. There's a lot of players that we need, though, I'll be honest with you. I was disappointed. I think Grayson's on a three-year deal. That's what I think. I would have given him a one-year deal, personally, uh, and said, look, we'll review it in maybe December, January, February time. If you're doing well and you're in the top 10 or the top 12, I renew it for another two years. And then he's got a, you know, I think three years is a bit much. But as my dad told me last night, contracts, you know, nowadays don't mean anything. It's just more the chairman has to pay off when he eventually does sack him. Because I think Fleetwood's longest saving manager in the, uh, in the football leagues two and a half years, and that was Joey Barton. It is a pile of carcasses um, and shattered dreams. And of course, Joe was Andy Pilly's friend, got his job in management albeit with the qualifications. Do you think it all went wrong when Barton and uh, Struber? Daniel Stendhal. Stendhal. That, that, that incident, how did you feel as someone uh, who supports Fleetwood Town when that happened last year? Disgusted at first, but then again, I left it be after that. I just thought, I'm not going to say anything more on that. Obviously, I said, get Joey Barton out of my club if he's done that. And uh, I wasn't happy at all. And then the second year, he just kind of let go. And he did a good job, Joey Barton, the second year. However, um, there was a lot of mistakes they made. And I think kind of his biggest mistake, what got him sacked in the end, that went to pieces, was the Wickham game in July last year. He changed the shape. He left Danny Andrew out. He put a right wing back at left wing back and a, a left winger at right wing back, which was utterly clueless I don't know why he did that and then he scapegoated with Alex Cairns after that Alex Cairns did have a poor game he made three three mistakes for goals however this is the same goalkeeper that made three or four world class saves in the second leg made a penalty save in the first leg and uh, that in the end cost him his job then I think he, he, he held a grudge against the players that let him down 
in that second season. And in the end, I think the players had stopped playing for him. You know, he's very analytic in, in the media with what he says. I love Joey Barton um, as a person when he was great with me, but as a manager, I think it was time to go. And uh, I, what I, I said it would be right at the end of the season, but now I look back and see now he's done it with Sorovin in his press conference, and I'm absolutely delighted that we got out there. In, uh, in two pieces, really, because uh, it could have got damaging. And uh, we can move on now. We're showing the best of luck. But um, if we, if Uwe was to have that squad, I reckon we would have got promoted. Uh, Joey Barton now at Bristol Rovers. Uh, I'm talking to some gas heads uh, in the next few weeks, and from what I gather, he's really placing an importance on the fans. Did Joey and does Simon recognise that there is a huge twelfth man, the Cod Army? hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, you know, there's nothing better than that. And you know, Andy Pilly knows the Fleetwood fans. He, he you know, he, he follows them all, he follows me on Twitter, he follows all the Fleetwood fans on Twitter, he likes to get our opinions on things, we have regular fans for him. And Simon Grayson's just the same, you know, he, he wants us to be successful. I'm not the biggest of fans of Grayson. I'm going to give him time. I'm not going to say much on him yet because he's steadied the ship at an important time this season. So, so far, job done. He's done a lot better than what I expected him to. So I was slated him when he first came in, but I think he's done very well, you know, considering how I expected him to do. But um, he's lost his main source of goals as well. So uh, I think when we get our goals back and uh, hopefully next season we build, the Cod Army will have something to look forward to. And that Twitter account has thousands of followers. Um, it is FTFC Nappers with a silent K. But you're probably more um, contactable on YouTube because people comment at the bottom of your videos. Which do you think was the most controversial video that you've posted? Probably the Grayson one, you know. When, when, when we signed, I was furious with it. I went, I'm not happy about it. Backward step, furious, gutting, ex Blackpool, why? You know, I was very, normally I'm quite measured in my approach. I put it up and um, I was going to, I think, I thought to myself, should I redo this? And um, I thought, no, because if, if I'm right and I put it out there and if I'm wrong, I've got to eat humble pie and it'll always be funny to go back to, look how you proved me wrong. But you know his record. He had a great record in his earlier career with Preston, which he did very, very well at. Leeds he did superbly well at. Kind of looked at his old clubs. And when you think about it now, Sunderland was a basket case club. Look at who's done well since, you know, Big Sam Allardyce, really. David Moyes failed. You look at um, Jack Ross, he's failed as well. Lee Johnson has done OK since coming in, but not nothing special. Phil Parkinson did OK. And, um, yeah, I think they've been up and down and Bradford again another basket case club yeah. and he didn't really get a chance to work there and Blackpool was huge expectations which he started well and kind of faded out well we know about Blackpool and their ownership before Simon Sadler took over um, a Blackpool in the, they're in League 1 aren't they they went up last season yeah same league as us they're currently 5th in League 1 right now do you reckon they will escape via the playoffs I don't think some of them will go up I think Lincoln and Blackpool are the teams, but Blackpool are the most informed. I think they've only lost two games in, what, 19 or 20 games right now. So um, they're on a good run of form. And uh, I reckon it's, you know, it's theirs to go and win now. They're on a good form. The manager's done, done a very good job. They just lost a couple of games, but they bounced back well against Sunderland. And uh, I do find them in the playoffs, unfortunately. Yeah, sorry to 
um, mention them. I spoke to Jane Stewart, your fellow football blogging nominated, because uh, she's with Lee Charles's TV programme. Do you have a good relationship with Blackpool fans or do they rib you remorselessly? I'm a bit of both, and that's what I like about it. I know Jane, and she's very good at what she does, and Lee as well, fantastic. Um, and there's also good YouTube channels like the Seasiders podcast. Um, like I say, I have a lot of Blackpool fans that follow me on Twitter when they win, and I'm sure when they beat Fleetwood, they're, they're always on my back. And um, But I think, you know, a lot of them respect what I do when they beat us. I've always said fair play, you're the better side, and, and you deserve to win the game. I'm also very honest in that. So it's a bit of both, and that's what I like. The people that rip me are also kind of ones that will affect me in the same way as well. There's always going to be the odd few that don't like you, which... You know, you just can't help in this, uh, this world anymore. But a lot will hate me, but a few may, may like me as well. Would you consider having Simon Grayson as an interviewee? I would. You know, I, I would say fair play, you prove me wrong, you know. And I think he'll go, yeah, you know. And that's what he likes to do, you know, when Manchester's coming to the club. I hope he's played my video. I really hope when he's gone, I'm going to prove him wrong. And, uh, you know, if he can help along the way, I can take a bit of credit for us doing well. And now I'm joking. Um, I'd love, I, I could say, I interviewed six or seven players last year and uh, hopefully get a few contacts with football this summer again. Chad Evans's name has come up on this show before. About 10 years ago, I thought Ashley Cole is the best in the world at his job. At his function on a football pitch, there's no one better. It's everything else that is an issue. With Ched, he's in the team to score goals. Joey Barton obviously knew him. Uh, and probably saw a bit of himself in Ched. Were you relieved when Ched got released earlier this season? No, absolutely. I was sure. I love Ched Evans. I think he was a fantastic player. Whatever he's done in his previous life, he's thought, you know, people make mistakes. And he was found not guilty as well. And Ched Evans was a goal scorer. I think he scored 17 in his first season. He got something like 12 or 13 last year, and he got five this year. Uh, up to Christmas and he was left out of the side he was a very good player he held the ball up he was a good finisher him and Paddy complimented each other and um, I was more annoyed when Ched left than when Joey left I was furious with Joey for what he did to get Ched to leave and uh, I wasn't happy at all and uh, it's just mad how players that have had you know bad spells at other clubs that you know people don't like he's come to Fleetwood and he's done very well I think um, he was a good player and he was a great guy as well he was, just, he was you know, a character put it that way he was a character but a good character yeah so I hear um, I did read bits and pieces of the Barton Evans nonsense did he just freeze him out Joe froze Ched out yeah he got towards the end where he wasn't playing him as much and, and obviously there was that story about the spin the wheel stuff which is petty stuff and um, I think Ched was trying to have a joke again and Joey just couldn't take it which, you know, Joey Barton is, you know, he's given jokes out in the past to referees and managers. I'm a big believer if you give it, you have to take it. And, uh, you know, I was gutted when Chad left and, uh, you know, Joey Barton once said last year, uh, there's no play that has gone on and done bigger and better things. Chad Evans has just signed a new two-year deal in the Championship. So um, there's one that's doing better than Joey right now. Yes, Joe, Bristol Rovers down to the fourth tier. Let's go for happier days because I read Jamie Vardy's book, which I describe as with an agent lurking over his shoulder going, put me in there, put me in there, put me in there. Andy Pilly comes off very well. What comes off most brilliantly is just the ethos of Fleetwood Town. He virtually says these are a band of jokers. 
that got us into the yeah. football league. What do you remember of that Vardy season? Oh, incredible! It was like fun, you know, scoring goals, him and Mangin up front, you know, Milligan there as well. You know, it's just you know Maguire, you know, another good player, Pondy, Scott Davis, you know, all good players, and it was just. So good to watch. It was hell for leather football. And we had the best squad in non-league. And that's when we went up that year. It was just goals off. The, I think he scored 31 goals that season. I think he scored 17 of them at Ivory. And he's just pace was just... It was two leagues above at least at that time. It was frightening seeing him playing for England and the pace that he had. Against semi-pros and against non-league players, it must have led to first-half substitutions from the opposition. One thing he was good at, we needed two or three men to mark him, which left two or three players, left three and other players that could go and do the job and go and score goals. So, like Akin Fenway, he needs two men to mark him sometimes because how strong he is. And that leads up to the players getting space. And again, the team opens up. So, he's just one of those big players that, a huge player and uh, am I surprised that he's gone and scored over 110 goals in the Premier League no I'm surprised that he went to go and play for England no he was Andy Pilly that's why he put a clause in there um, yes and was I was I gutted when he did go to Arsenal for 40 million quid yes that would certainly have helped uh, Fleetwoods what are Fleetwoods finances like have you has Andy suffered because of the lockdown year yeah uh, obviously because his main business BES have struggled as well Fleetwood are normally quite a well-run club. We've got a, you know, a bit of money behind us with a good, wealthy owner. So, lockdown's been tough, but hopefully we'll be back on track next season with fans back in the ground and we can go again on our journey. It's a bit windy. I've, I've never been to Fleetwood or Fylde. I've been to Blackpool. But hopefully I'll get up there. I'll ask for you. Uh, and then I'll, I'll go deaf um, because of all the chanting and the singing, which you document... Uh, I don't think I've said enough in this, but people know who you are. It's Nappers, the video vlogger for Fleetwood Town. You mentioned Nathan Pond. How's he doing? Uh, well, he's now left the football club, Nathan Pond. He left about two or three years ago. He went to Salford on a two-year deal, and uh, he got uh, a promotion with them. And now he's at AFC Five in the National League North. And they were top of the league, and the season's got curtailed in that league now, mm-hmm. so we'll have to go again, but... I can see him coming back one day as a coach or possibly a manager. I don't think his record will ever be broken. Where's the statue going to be? It needs to be made, mate. It needs to be made, you know. The, the amount of promotions he got with Fleetwood, you know. And um, most leagues, I think it's the most leagues with the same club, isn't it? And mm-hmm. uh, incredible rise. And uh, he's at the heart of it. And Nathan Pond's a legend in there uh, for the Fleetwood Town area. So he's one of the centre-backs in your best 11. I would imagine Vardy and Evans up front. Interesting. I know Evans wouldn't get into my team, but Pondy and Madden would. This is Paddy Madden, who is still at the club. How's he done this season? Has he led the line? Well, Paddy Madden led the line really well. He scored eight, seven or eight goals, and he left a couple of weeks ago, actually, to Stockport County. Bigger wages, bigger club, you know, bigger deals. So we can't match that for 31, 32-year-olds. Well, so I wonder also if, if Grayson has his striker coming in. Yeah, but I, I, don't, think, I, I don't think he could, say, could have said no to Paddy Madden, that mate. But um, be interesting to see who he replaces him with. And it's got to be someone who scores 20, 30 goals uh, because that is what gets teams out of that division. And I speak as a Watford fan. Oh, and Watford haven't been in that division for 25 years. The hard, the hard to come by, 
striker. So the, the recruitment's needed and uh, hopefully we can bring someone in that can score a lot of goals. Yep, and there's lots of young English strikers in the North West. So hopefully Absolutely, one. mate. So um, before we induct you into the football library, because I like to, as well as put books in, there's also videos. So the complete works of your vlog are going in. Um, because this Im- library is imaginary, you do get your football library membership card. You do. You are writing a book. You told me before we went on air, and I'm delighted uh, both with your collaborator and the content. So, sell us your book. Well, we've uh, me and my dad have always been interested in football. He started this the dream about seven or eight years ago. And he said, "How good would it be?" And he started doing loads of caricatures, and he thought, "Well, let's put them into a book." This has been going on quite a while now, so we've been, he's done all the caricatures and now we're just writing about them. 50 kind of heroes of the Premier League, you know, different kind of players, you know, the Harry Canes, the Rio Ferdinands, you know, James Milners, you know, all different types of players. Alan Shearer's goal scorers to, you know, Premier League record appearance makers and uh, even sometimes of like fun players, you know, like Peter Crouch or Jermaine Defoe. So, you know, it's different types of players have got, you know, pretty much all all kind of clubs that have been in the Premier League covered. And um, we're writing about them, their career, how they got into the Premier League. And uh, um, it should be a good one and hopefully it's on the shelves very, very soon. I hope so. It's 30, the 30th season kicks off this summer. So it'll be 30 years next year. Um, I knew that there would be a call for a Hall of Fame. It's no surprise Shearer and Henri there. But I'd quite like at the same time, and maybe this is something like Talk Sports are going to do for clicks, like a Hall of Lame or a Hall of Shame, because you can't just have the, fifth, the best players, because we know we, we don't really celebrate goodness in this country. Certainly in the Northwest, you celebrate kind of have-a-go heroes or triers. So which Premier League players would you see in, let's call it a Hall of Shame? Do you reckon Joey Barton would be there? Uh, he was a good player, Joey, you know, back in the day, you know, he was good at what he did, he, he got a bit, like, a, a career out of being a nasty, a nasty Mitchell, yeah, he played for England once, uh, he, he'll always like to, always <laughs> like to mention that, it's hard to think off the top of your head, he would kind of make it in, you know, you look at some, you know, maybe awful goalkeepers along the years, or, you know, awful strikers, you know, um, it's really kind of hard to pick. Oh, no, yeah, well, yeah, Taibi. Um, the chap who was at West Ham last year, can't remember his name, Roberto. You know, look at Joel Linton at Newcastle, not a good year, has he? And, uh... Mike Ashley, um, Alan Sugar, all these poor owners. I, I, I hope that if you do follow it up, you do a Hall of Lame and a Hall of Shame, and then the trilogy Aye. can be in, if your dad's got the time for it. Oh, yeah, I'll put it towards him. Because <laughs> I'd, I'd love it in the football library. We actually have a lounge area which has all the coffee table books. It's actually named after Andy Holt, whom you may have met. Have you been to Accrington? Very well-run club, Accrington. It's a very good family club, a bit like Fleetwood. Mm, yes, without the parties that Vardy describes in his book. Um, so so I, I await that. Do you have a favourite football book? Do you read the books? Joey Barley was very good. I read his last year in lockdown and finally got read round to reading it. And, you know, his story about going to prison and... You know, how he used to sit on the t- touchline with family members and watching the game on and how he got into football. He, he saw every kick and he was sitting up to be a coach at, you know, a very young age. So that intrigued me. And even when I was a very young boy, I used to read Theo Walcott's books, you oh, know, yeah. those kind of kids' books about growing up playing football. And they were very interesting when I was uh, kind of 
nine or ten years of age. Yeah, Frank Lampard did the same thing, but Theo, I don't know why Theo isn't as heralded as he should be. Maybe because he got taken to a World Cup when you were still in primary school. You know, you know about how he got picked. Arsene Wenger said to Sven Goran yeah. Eriksson, "You should take Walcott." Fool, foolish Absolutely. mistake. Uh, and Theo doing magnificently at Southampton. Um, so let us have, Nappers, I'm sure you've done this before, many times. So rattle them off. Which is your Fleetwood Town 11? And if you want to say the team that got you promoted from the conference, you can. Can I have a mixture of different players and different teams? By all means. Probably having goal Alex Cairns. He's one, a superb goalkeeper, a superb man, a leader. You know, he's kept 65 league one clean sheets. I think it's like a 37% of game record he's kept a clean sheet. And a superb man. Left back Charlie Taylor. We had him on loan from Leeds back in League 2 when we got promoted via the playoffs in 2014. Good left back. Very solid now at Burnley. My two centre-halves. I'm going to have to put Pondy in for what he's done for the football club and how he's done it. My other centre-half, I'm going to go for Ben Davies. That, I have left Harry Shootout, who was very good for 18 months. But Ben Davies, in six months that I saw of him, was so, so good. You know, he's now playing for Liverpool. He's done very well at Preston over the last three or four years. And if it wasn't for Alex Neal, uh, if it wasn't for Simon Grace going to Sunderland job, we would have got Ben Davies on a permanent deal because Grayson didn't rate him and uh, we would have got him for £30,000 reported. Right back, I'd probably go for Conor McLaughlin, who's played for Northern Ireland, just beat Louis Coyle for me, versatile defender, and I liked him a lot. Midfield three, I'd probably go for Milligan being one of them, the island, he used to coach me back at primary school, and he's one of the big reasons I got to support him, Fleetwood Town. Uh, Anthony Sarsic, he scored the winner goal at Wembley, and he was superb last season, I think he got 14 or 15 goals from midfield. And then the other midfielder, I thought very heavily on this, Kyle Dempsey had a very good season under Uwe Rosler. He was a very good midfielder, just Joey Barton just didn't fancy him and uh, froze him out. And then in my front three, Vardy's got to be in there for me, uh, a goal scorer. I'm going to play three strikers instead of, instead of two wingers. I'm going to go, so Vardy, Paddy Madden, our record goal scorer in the division. I am going to leave David Ball out just and put something a bit different. You've got pace, you've got a bit of good finishing in. Um, Paddy Madden, and I'm going to go for the beast, John Parkin, up front. He was very good for Fleetwood for the two seasons that we had him. Alexander didn't use him enough, in my opinion, and he was also a different option. He could launch the ball to and he could hold the ball up, and he was a very good striker as well. Brilliant. He's got a book out as well, John Parkin. Yeah, yeah, I need to read that one. He feels like a very journeyman pro. There are all kinds of football memoirs. I have quite a high bar. It's actually called the Vardy Bar. If it's better than Jamie Vardy's book, it's in. Vardy's in because of his story, just an unbelievable story. And John Parkin seems, from from the little I've read about him, a very good chap. Have you spoken to him ever, and would you like to? I've spoke to him many, many times. He follows me on Twitter as well, and uh, he's on Under the Cosh podcast as well, which I got to know him a bit. So he's a superb man, a superb bloke, and uh, he wasn't wasn't half a bad player as well. Under the pod, I'm sorry, Under the Cod podcast, you say? Under the Cosh. I would have called it Under the Cod. Uh, is, is this the Chris Brown podcast? Yeah, Chris Brown. There's two Chris Browns and John Parkin. Oh, excellent. I will hot-foot it to that. Uh, this goes out, this show, on May the 7th. So you'll have played Cough Cough franchise last weekend. Uh, and you've got Ipswich away this weekend. Uh, so you'll pay your tenor and you'll watch it. 
Uh, will you live stream again? You've been doing that on the channel. Yeah, I've done 53, sorry, yeah, 54 live, 53 live streams. Now I've got two to go. And does so that include, does that include the Everton game? Yeah, that includes the Everton game. I've done all the league games, all the cup games and the friendly as well. And that seems to be the highlight of the season. That must have been strange for Joey Barton, who is an Everton fan, welcoming Everton to the the club and Everton won 5-2. Has there been a high point this season in general? Can can I say the season ended? I know it's going to sound mad, but I just want to see the back of this season really get towards next season with fans back in the ground. I think seeing the back of the end of the season will be a positive because we've got through it. We're still a football club and we can look forward to next season now. Yeah, and all the transfer market wrangling over the summer. To go back to the ESL nonsense, I can't believe the stories this summer are going to be Haaland, Mbappe, Grealish, £100 million. Pounds. I, I hope Sky learn their lesson and don't cover these nonsense because the real winner are the agents, which is the, as yeah. big a problem as the governance. But Fleetwood, it's a model. Great, I think the, the right manager for the right club. Um, I think you'll go up next season uh, and you might even play Blackpool again next season. Uh, who is your, let's try three of them, your dream interviewees? Because you've done a lot of them now, uh, John Sheridan among them. Uh, but who are the three football figures that you would love, of any, still alive, of any era that you'd love to chat to? And bear in mind you are a coach, you, you do coach sometimes. So will you go for managers or players? Yeah. I would say Roy Keane, but I think he, he'd scare me a little bit. Uh, I'd probably like to interview, I know this is uh, off the beaten track, Gary Neville, who I, I'm a big fan of his broadcasting. I think he's a superb guy. He failed in coaching. I'd like to say, what wouldn't you do if you know if I was me? And, um, you know, in a respectful way, I think he's very good at what he does. I'd probably go, who else would I go next? Harry Kane. I, you know, an inspiration at the top end. Another good striker who's, you know, going to go and hopefully be Alan Shearer's record and run with lots of trophies. I think you'd have to go away from Spurs, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah, United. To do that. United should pay all their sponsorship from Crisps and stuff and they should give it to Levy and Kane. Well, Cavani's been all right, but imagine a Kane-Rashford-Greenwood front three. They would win the league. Yeah. They would win the league. 100%. And, they need and my last one would be probably Joey, Joey Barton, someone that I've always loved to want to interview. He's a funny character and I think he'd have a lot of good stories to tell as well. And he'd be able to tell you what he learned in his philosophy course, which I think he abandoned. Absolutely. He couldn't, maybe he's come back to it in lockdown, but he started it uh, in West London. But yeah, his book is incredible. It's called No Nonsense, which is what he is, yeah, in collaboration with Mike Calvin. And that book is in the Football Library. Do you have a title for your 50 Premier League caricatures, characters book? The, 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 50, the, 50, play, the 50 caricatures that made the Premier League so great, I think it's going to be called. I look forward to reading it. Who are you going to pitch it to? Who's the publisher going to be? Uh, that's what we're unsure on at the moment. We're trying to sort that out, and hopefully, when we sort it out, it can be on the shelves as soon as possible, mate. It's got to be, uh, and the world will know—not just a corner of Lancashire. What is it, West Lancs? You're on the. You're, how far is Fleetwood to the yeah. sea? Uh, quite close. <laughs> I, I better come quite up and close. see. And you are welcome. I don't when... know in miles, but quite close. Excellent, uh, and good luck to Macclesfield under the new regime. I hope they found. Um, 
well, they've got to come up the divisions now, but we need Macclesfield back representing the North West. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, hopefully Rob Smethers and Robbie Savage can go in there and make a good impact. Tell you what, tell you what. <laughs> I love Savage. He's great. His books are fine, but he's great as a human being. Nappers, have a great rest of your day. Best of luck uh, in the close season. And it is the YouTube channel Cod's Vlogs, but you already know that. Up the Cod Army. Thank you, mate. Just like the library. Just like the library.